Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, chariot. I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming well, kids, it is your dad. Home. I'm just calling. Not calling. <laughs> calling you. I am just starting to hit record because it's been a while since I've recorded a podcast, and I'm. On my way to my to get some lunch. It's Monday, and the 24th of January, 2022. And I'm gonna get some lunch. Then I'm gonna pick you guys up. The plan was to play tennis with you guys, but we don't, we don't have any tennis balls. And your um, the middle boys, the uh, the namesake and the king, they're taking tennis lessons. And I just thought it'd be fun to, you know, hit the tennis ball around. So I did play in high school, and I was good for high school. Probably not for college. I didn't even try. But anyways, um, just wanted to record my voice, tell you, oh, maybe tell you what happened this weekend. This this last weekend I went on a 22-mile hike, and my legs have been shot ever since. They really hurt. So I'm trying to convalesce Ooh, my legs. I'm yawning a lot. I wonder if that's just because I talk. I'm not used to talking out loud a lot. I wonder. But you know, whenever I did a jury trial, I wouldn't yawn. So who knows? Who knows? I've had no food today. And it's like, what time is it? It's like two. Here's class gets out in 50 minutes. The, the goal is to make it to, uh, what's it called? Uh, in and out. Usually their lines are very long. I should have left at least a half hour ago. So we'll see. If in and out doesn't work, I'll go to Jack in the Box. And probably have to pick up some extra stuff for you kids. Because the, the younger two boys love Jack in the Box. Just love it. And I don't get it. I mean, it's good, but it's not like favorite restaurant go. I remember... And when we were in Mexico, we wanted to make breakfast jacks, especially for the king. And he, your favorite food is your breakfast jacks right now while you're eight. While you're seven or eight years old, your ultimate, absolute favorite food was jack-in-the-box uh, breakfast jacks. And so we got the ingredients for it, and your mom made them. And you were, I think you were either six or seven at the time. Um, maybe, maybe you were just about to turn seven. And you, you ate the breakfast. You ate the breakfast shack we made. But then you said, "It's not right. The the ham has to be fried." And what? No, honestly, what six-year-old has the palate to say anything about the the taste difference between regular ham and fried ham? I'm I'm sure you know there's a difference. I'm sure there there. I mean, there's a big difference. But to have the have the what's it called the lexicon to say here's what's wrong with it or here's why it's not more accurate and I've been saying this a lot I, I think our third child the king would be a phenomenal chef I do because there have been so many times you have eaten foods that I would not eat as a 42 year old we went to the city one time and had a bunch of seafood and there's you know, crab and lobster and fish and stuff, which you had, yeah, you ate no problem. 
but then they're like the the uh, what's it called the oysters came out they're like was it oysters or are those the ones that are, you eat them raw yeah I think you eat them raw they cut them in half and and you slurp them up um, your your mom loves them and I remember on our first date, your mom wanted me to try one. Our first date, like, for my junior prom. Like, we I, we weren't even a romantic couple. And your mom wanted me to try one, and I did, and I spit it out. And so when I spit it out, I thought, all right, well, this girl is not the one. She's probably disgusted by me. And, uh... So, anyways, luckily I was wrong. So, you, But you ate an oyster, which an eight-year-old... Eight-year-olds don't eat oysters. That doesn't even compute with my brain. But you did. And, I mean, you didn't like it, but you tried it. And I don't know any eight-year-old ever that tried an oyster. Like, in this area, I'm sure other countries, it's commonplace. But So that's why I think, child number three, you, you would probably be a phenomenal chef. And I And your mindset is that hate losing, and you always have to be the best, and I th th those qualities are only, would only make you even a better chef um, than anyone else, so I would tell you that, uh, right now I'm telling you that right now at this age, but anyways, so where was I, this past weekend we uh, I went on a hike your mom took you guys to get donuts, it was a short bike ride and you kids did not like the donuts and then your mom took you other place to get donuts and you did not like those donuts so you guys pretty much biked all over the city we live in until you, I think your mom said we, you biked seven miles which is a lot for children of your age and you finally made it to a place uh, where you liked the donuts so that was funny to me meanwhile my the left tendon in my ankle feels like it's like a rubber band about to snap you can just feel it creaking every time I like exercise it Interesting. So Sunday we went to church. What will we do? After church we came home. We, we invited your grandma out to eat, but I think she was busy. She was with a friend. Um, and actually in the town we were in. And so we went home. We had some leftovers. And then we went to work. I was very impressed. Me and your mom were like deep cleaning our bedroom. And it's funny. I think the, I think the namesake kind of like looked at us like yeah right like you're gonna be deep cleaning anything we know what you're doing like you gave us that look and your mom's like no we really are gonna be deep cleaning our room and then the, then you then you were like oh okay like <laughs> it was kind of funny but you kids all four of you got to work we told you clean the downstairs pick up the the, the, the floor sweep it and steam mop it and you kids did it you guys did it well and like I was walking around barefoot uh, last night, and usually that's, you know, the great arbiter of whether or not something's been swept and mopped well. Is, you know, you walk around on the hardwood barefoot, and I, I gotta say, I was impressed. I was impressed with the thoroughness of your guys' work. So that was, uh, that was great. And we, um, and your mom did a really, when your mom says a deep clean, she means it. I mean, we, we were scrubbing moldings, we were dusting, and, uh, not just the moldings, we were scrubbing the baseboard, and she vacuumed for a long time, and we put clothes away, and I'm confident that our room is going to be very clean for at least the next 
15 to 20 hours. I mean, and I'm excited about that. And then after that, we uh, had dinner. We had uh, some more leftovers, which I was barely able to just gulp down. I mean, the food we make is great, but we've been kind of experimental lately. Your mom made falafel, which was good. If you eat with other things, and I made stuffed mushrooms, which were phenomenal the first night. You kids did not like them. I was trying to, I was trying to replicate the stuffed mushrooms recipe from Olive Garden. Um, you kids were not, you were not enthused with that, so I ended up eating all of them. And then what do we do? After that, we had a family meeting where we dis discussed responsibilities, like how you kids should be given a lot more responsibilities. And your mom and I have been letting the, the, um, the entrepreneur, we've been letting her ride her bike home more from school. And we let her ride her bike to the local market to get, I think she wanted bananas to make a peanut butter and banana sandwich. In fact, you know what? We actually podcast about this sooner, so, or the last podcast, so. Sorry, I'm getting really repetitive. So that, that's bad. Maybe I should check myself into a home. So, so your mom and I have been discussing giving you guys more and more responsibility and more and more freedom to do things, including maybe riding your bikes around town. And so that, that's hard. That's really hard. You know, whenever our oldest rides her bike home, I can track her on her phone and I'm looking. I mean, I am not, I am, I am making sure she's at every step of the way. And if there's any, what's it called? Any deviance where she deviates from you know, the, the ride we go home, like I, I'm ready to get in my car and speed off. So, sorry, that's it. That's all we did this weekend. We woke up, I rode my bike with your, with the oldest to her school. That was painful. My legs are in a lot of pain, guys. I don't think I'm gonna do that hike again. It's a little silly. My friend that does that, like a ton of people show up. I would say at the largest amount, there are like 20 people. And halfway through the hike, like 10, 10 miles, I had to honk, uh, I had to honk just now, you heard my honk, yeah, go, yeah, run the red light, uh, I just had to honk, because a woman was just like looking down, or a man, I don't know, she was looking down at her phone, and there was the, the light, turned green, and she wasn't going, so I apologize for honking, my dad would become furious, he would become furious at people that did that but he was in a car all day long. So, you know, a truck. So anyways, uh, at mile marker 10 or 11, my hiking boots were starting to rub pretty hard against my leg, which they're not supposed to do that. And I broke them in, but didn't break them in well enough, and they were really hurting pretty badly. So I ended up taking an Uber to to the, to the local department store, which is way off course, by the way. Um, I stopped the hike, I went shoe shopping, bought some regular, some shoes that would work, then I Ubered back to, to the, uh, um, to where they were. You know, I, I had to like say, where are you guys gonna be in two miles or so? And so I, I found him, got him back, and that worked. I finished the hike. So of the 22 mile hike, I probably just only did 18 or 19, so too bad that's that's on me and I am in the in and out line I, I decided to go the line isn't that bad so 
you know, mazel tov. So, let's see. Do I have money? Yes. These poor guys, they work out in the sun all day and taking orders. That's gonna be tough. Give me one second, I'm like totally. Ugh. One second, my children. You know what's funny is I don't have, I don't think I have a Bible in the car. So even when I do pause to eat, there's not, I'm not going to be able to read a Bible. Although I could probably like look it up on my phone. The plan is to order some food, eat it on the way to the kids' school and read almost the rest of Joshua. Right now in Joshua, we're going over who gets what, which is interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it'll, it comes across as boring. You know, to me it's not, but but uh, it, it is a little repetitive. It, it is written as almost like in poetic verse, kind of, you know, like in a way. I, I wish I knew uh, Greek so I could read the original Greek it was found in. Something else I want to talk about after I order. The guy's about to take my order. Maybe I'll let you guys listen in while I talk to a stranger. See how you're supposed to talk to people in the service industry. Because these people, I always tell you guys, these people are working their butts off. You gotta be respectful. Okay, hang on a second. Let me just put you. That. How are you? Good. How are you doing? How can I feed today? Let me get a number one with just lettuce and tomatoes. Number one, just lettuce and tomatoes. A large Dr Pepper. Large Dr Pepper. And an extra cheeseburger animal style. Cheeseburger animal style. And cheese okay and a double double. Yes, sir. So you have a cheeseburger animal style, double double, no spread, no onion, just lettuce and tomato on there. And a large size pepper. Perfect. Can you be in the car today? Yes. Car, so it'll be $13.90. Thanks a lot. You have a good one. I'll tell you a story about my father. And I, growing up, we had El Caminos. My dad had a big blue, like El Camino, Chevy El Camino. It's a big car truck thing. And it was a seven, was it? It was a 76 El Camino. And we went to Jack in the Box one night, and he got and he was ordering, and the person's first language was not English, and I, it would be, it would not be, uh, what would it call scandalous to say my dad was probably well, a tinge racist, okay, and frankly, you would be hard pressed to find anyone in that generation that was not a tinge racist, no matter the color of their skin, but my dad did not like when people got the order wrong. And they kept asking him to repeat it. And it may not have been the, the foreign language. It may have just been the, the bad PA system they were using. But he drove out of there upset. He says, you know what, cancel the order. And he literally peeled out of that jack-in-the-box. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I didn't even know you could peel out in that kind of truck. I didn't think it had the power for it. But he did it. So, many, many years ago, me and my siblings got together, which is so rare, but it's so amazing when we do. But we got together and we went to this restaurant, I want to say, closer to where a couple of them lived. And I think we've, I think we've been traumatized in a way, me and my siblings. Because my parents, my mom as well, uh, they, they could have been pretty short-tempered with wait staff. And especially even around us, 
so that was always kind of hard to deal with you know being kind of like the friendly fire you know you almost want to like apologize ahead of time um, so that, that was always kind of hard growing up we would go out to eat very rarely you know we'd always go to the same restaurant the same like two or three so whenever they like messed up an order or did something or you know or there's a miscommunication you know the first reaction was anger which was really hard and it's important to speak the truth about people that have that have gone and not like be disrespectful but it's important to speak the truth I call it speaking for the dead it's actually there's actually based on a book um, called speaker for the dead written by Orson Scott card he's the guy that wrote Ender's game that's the it's a book I'm sure I've read to you um, but the second book the, the first book Ender's game actually won the Hugo Award which is like the, the um, Pulitzer for sci-fi and actually the second book the speaker for the dead that won the uh, that won the Hugo Award too well speaker for the dead it's about an older Ender who just goes around the galaxy and helps eulogize people who have died but the eulogy isn't like, oh, he was so great, he did this, and he was so great about that. It's more like, here's who he really was. Here's why he was like this. And it ends up being a really healing activity anyways. I have so many digressions today. So many things. But... So, so anyways, it's important to be nice to the service industry kids. And I, I would say, I have this controversial thought that I don't think you should be able to vote unless you've spent a year as a waiter or a waitress. I think once you've done that, then then you should be able to vote. I think that sh there should be a voting like law. So, so I'm excited. I'm actually going to have some in and out And uh, I, I only have this once a week. I really should stop eating this stuff. It might kill me. My poor entre entrepreneur. We were talking about something last night and you ended up being so sad. And you actually started crying some really bitter tears about, you know, my and your mom's future death. And you're like, I don't want you to die. And it, it was really sad. I don't know what we were talking about. I think, I think your mom was talking about her cousin, her little cousin that, that died, the 30-year-old. I say little because you know, to me he was. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I, I didn't even cross my mom when I was little. My mom died when I was 20. You know, and that's that begs the question. You may not even know about this until after I'm gone. And I'm sorry. But know that I love you. And I'm sure I'm watching the parts that you want me to watch. Um, death, it's part of life. It's, it's, you know, it's part of... You can't have one without the other. And uh, you just have to have faith. You have to have faith that you'll see me again, because I know you will. If you listen to my teachings and uh, I train you up appropriately, you'll see me again. Just about to get up to the drive through window. I had an interesting argument with a guy the other day about religion. I'm going to tell you guys about it in a second. Hang on one second. So you got the cheeseburger animal style, double double no spread, a brand and large pepper? Yes, sir. 1390, please. Would you like your receipt? No, thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Okay, hang on, kids. 
roll my window up here. You'll think I'm talking to no one. So what I was saying is, I had an argument the other day about with with a Catholic who claimed that I'm in a cult, and I rarely defend my faith. I, I you know, in this country and the, the freedoms we have, you rarely have a situation where you you feel the need to defend it. People get so offended, and you have to be very clear and. What's it called? Um, purposeful in your language. And the, but when the guy said I'm in a cult, I, he said I was in a cult because I, I wasn't Catholic. That's nothing could be further from Scripture. And he tried to say all this stuff. And you know, when you're having an argument with, with someone, especially, particularly someone who has faith the way we do in our Christian faith. Here's what you do which wins your argument every time. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it proves you wrong. And that's a good thing. It proves right, you wrong. Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I have a cheeseburger, double-double, fry and a large Dr. Pepper. Yes, sir. Would you like any ketchup today? No, thank you. Alright, I'm just waiting on the food right now, okay? Sounds good. When you're having a religious argument with someone, kids, it's important for you to understand the stare decisis of our religion. Stare decisis means, pretty much means the thing that speaks, it speaks for itself. It's the supreme word on, on the issue. It's the final word on the issue. All right, here you go. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. In the same way, the Supreme Court is the final say in law. The Bible is the final say on issues of faith. So when you're getting into an argument with someone about faith, you have to do one thing. Uh, before that, you have to understand the Bible. You have to read it. You have to be very knowledgeable of it. But if you're in an argument with someone, and it's got to be a loving argument. You can't be like trading barbs, like, oh, you're stupid. But you, you could... Yeah, but the Bible does say you need to rebuke your brothers and sisters in Christ. If there's a disagreement, you must go to the Bible. You must. Scripture is the final word. I don't... And, and there's a lot of things in Scripture, and there's no... What's it called? Um, ambiguity. There's none. In the event you think there's ambiguity, then you go to a pastor. An ordained pastor. Okay? Don't go to the, you can even go to me if I'm still around. But but it's important sometimes it's important to stand up for your faith. Now defending it doesn't mean you're arguing someone into it. Those are two different things. But the other day I felt like I, I had to defend it. And you're not gonna call him you're not gonna say I'm part of a cult. So I kept saying, I said, Well, it's important for me to know the truth. And that's the whole point. Jesus is the truth and the light and the way. So you need to frame it in such, well, if you say I'm a cult, I, I told him, if you say I am in a cult, it's important that I need to get out of it. Please point to the scripture in the Bible that says I'm in a cult. Here are my beliefs. I lay them out. Now, point, wherever you say I'm in a cult, point, point to that, and I will, I'll convert to Catholicism immediately. Um, and we had no scripture. 
he just said, well, that God, Jesus created the one church. And I said, well, okay, and I've heard this argument a lot. And I, and I don't go out looking for arguments, by the way, kids. I really don't. But I said, aside from St. Ignatius coining the term Catholic, um, 80 years after Jesus died and rose again in the city of Antioch, aside from that, where tell me in the Bible where it says I need to be part of the Catholic Church. If you do that, I'll convert right away. Well, he, they don't have that. What he says is we something about the, the apostolic, apostolic succession. Like I need to be, I need to be taught through from the succession of Peter, and and I told them you're you're misinterpreting the Bible where it says Jesus. See, Catholics hinge on this quote. Jesus says, "Who do you all say I am?" And some are saying, "Oh, maybe you're this, maybe you're that." And and Peter says, and Peter should have just shut up after this. He would have ended his ministry on like the highest note. Jesus told Peter, "Who do you say I am? Who who do you say I am? Not who do other people? They're trying to get out of it. Some say you're John the Baptist reborn. Some say you're this. Some say you're Elijah. You know, people are skirting around the bush, not being men. You know, Jesus was a man. He was the man." And he told Peter, or he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah. And, and Jesus says, don't tell anyone what you've said. You're blessed. And he said some other things. But, um, but then Jesus says, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Catholics believe it's upon this rock of Peter. That's not the, the church Jesus is building the church on. It's upon the rock of of the truth that Jesus is the light, the way, the Son of God, the living God, and the Messiah, and the Christ. It's upon that rock he'll build this church. And as humans, we have a lot of denominations, and I'm sure that that needs some correction. But Catholicism is, is also a denomination of Christianity, and Catholics hate hearing that because they've been told over and over again, they're the only church, everything else is a cult. That's wrong. That's completely unbiblical, and there's nothing in the Bible that says otherwise uh, that, that backs them up. They'll quote John 6, uh, 35, where Jesus, where, you know, you need to worship the Eucharist, the, the blood uh, and the bread, symbolically referred to as the bread and, and the wine. The Eucharist is very important to the Catholics. They said they've had it for forever, but it's idolatry. The way they, uh, the way I see some do it, uh, there's a big word called transubstantiation, where I, a lot of Catholics believe that when you eat the communion wafer, it literally turns into the body of Jesus, and when you drink the wine, it literally turns into the blood of Jesus, and that's what they get held up on, and that's wrong. It's completely wrong. Uh, Jesus says, "Eat my flesh, drink my blood." But Jesus also spoke in parables quite a bit. And the times that the disciples said, you know, you say all these parables, can you literally explain this to us? Like when he was talking about, you know, spreading the seed and you know, the good ground and the thorns and the dry ground and all that stuff. So occasionally the, the disciples would be like, Jesus, what? We don't know what you're talking about. Can you just explain it to us? And there are times where Jesus explained things literally. I have a feeling Jesus was speaking symbolically. Every time you eat with other people, you've got to remember me and what I've done for you. Every time you break bread, you know, talk about it constantly. Talk to your friends, talk to your family. So that's 
I believe how that works. Well, some Catholics believe if you don't believe you're eating the actual flesh of Jesus, you're going to hell. And <coughs> pretty sure the thief on the cross uh, didn't believe bread turned into Jesus' flesh or the wine. And I'm pretty sure the people that Jesus walked with that died before uh, believe that. There's no scripture that says, where, where, especially where Jesus is saying, you've got to believe that this is my actual body. No. There's nothing in the Bible says that. Jesus was clear about a lot of things. And that, you know, it's important to hang your hat on, on things to hang your hat on, meaning what hill are you dying on? I will die on the hill that Jesus is God. I'll die on the hill that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died for our sins, and resurrected three days later for humanity. I'll die on that hill. I'll die on the hill that that you need to have a faith in Jesus Christ for you to be saved, to have salvation. I'm not going to die on the hill that says this, this food is magically transformed into his actual body. I'm not going to die on that hill. That's kind of silly. Okay? I'm also not going to die on the hill that, oh well, because my pastor isn't from the line of Peter, then then we're a cult. So anyways, long way around. Uh, you may have to have your faith challenged. You may have to defend it. Sometimes you don't need to defend it. You know, someone say, oh, you're an idiot for being a Christian. I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot. But if, in case you ever want to know, you know, let's have coffee and we'll talk about it. But I'm not going to be ridiculed. I'm See you later. It's important to respect people. And the point of being a Christian isn't just to go to heaven. And people that believe in Jesus just to go to heaven are pieces of crap. Jesus was pretty clear. You know, go out and spread the gospel. It doesn't mean you need to go on in every corner and talk about it. But we represent Christ. And we're trying to win souls for the kingdom. And for the king. So just some thoughts. This has just been a random podcast. I apologize. I didn't read any Bible today. I'm just, just talking to you. Just it's been 30 minutes of me talking. I am so sorry. Listen, I have the food. I'm kind of hungry. I don't want it to get cold. I love you kids very much. And, uh, yeah, I'll end it on that. Everything you do and say and represent, especially when people already know you're a Christian, it's vital that you do it for the kingdom and the king. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope of no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty my orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace so free washes over
Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore He cancelled my debt and he called me But then Jesus arose. 